Heyo, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards Podcast for the week of July 28th, 2014. This is episode 239, and I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, or the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. With me today are... Jackie Olson, account manager with Interval. And Adam Meyer, principal at Interval. Hi, guys. Hey. Howdy. Happy Monday. Hey. We're recording on a Monday yeah. versus a the end of the week. The start of the week versus the end of the week. We'll see if the energy is different. Oh, it is already. I can tell you that. <laughs> it, but it's not what I would expect. How so? We seem to be more giddy for it being Monday instead of Friday. <laughs> That's true. There have been giddy moments. Yeah, yes, there was of, some a lot of giddy up. Nice pre-show giddiness. Well, it's because of one of the topics we have, <laughs> which will be interesting to get to. I won't, I won't give it away now. No, they just have to wait on the edge of their seats for the the giddy topic. Something's going to be on the edge of the seat, but <laughs> we'll find out what that is when we get to it. Okay, so let's get through some updates quickly. Um, got some speaking gigs coming up uh, next week. I'm going to be speaking on content marketing at the Texas Hospital Association's Communications Conference. That's in Austin. Can't wait for that, August 8th. Uh, going to be speaking with my pal, Chris Boyer, in September, actually on September 24th, at Whippermiss, which is the Wisconsin Healthcare Public Relations and Marketing Society Conference. That's always a good one. October 8th, going to be in Albany. I believe it's in Albany for the Haney's Conference, which is Healthcare Association of New York State, also talking about content marketing. And we're going to be in Shushmit the following week, podcasting live from San Diego. And let's see, we got a new book coming out in just over a month, maybe six weeks from now, the new book will be coming out. Mm-hmm. Joe Public 2, Embracing the New Paradigm. Check it out at thinkinterval.com slash JP2. You can sign up to be notified for the exact date it's ready to be purchased. Uh, also, if you're listening, watch next week because we're going to be sending out uh, some content from the book along with an opportunity to download the introduction. So you can get a head start on it. So I think that's all uh, for the updates. I was in Florida last week, which was fantastic. Uh, it was interesting, though, because I traveled twice last week, and I was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Disney World. So I had to like <laughs> call my kids and you know, go, hey, I'm in Hershey, Pennsylvania, home of Hershey chocolate. Hey, I'm in Disney World. <laughs> and you, you aren't. <laughs> they, they weren't too excited about that. They really want to go to Disney World, my daughters especially. Oh, more so than Hershey, Hershey Pennsylvania? <clears throat> well, I mean, that's cool too. I mean, there's lots of chocolate things there. But yeah, more so than Hershey, <laughs> Pennsylvania. So I had to kind of downplay how nice it was. Did you actually stay in Disney World? It was on a – well, Disney World is a – well. Is, yeah, I don't know if you've been, but it's a theme it's park, a huge area. I mean, it's like a city area, <laughs> right? And they, they have resorts everywhere. So I was on a Disney World resort. Oh, you were okay, but not attached to like a park. Okay, close by. I think Animal Kingdom is probably the closest place I was by. Okay, but yeah, they didn't know that. They just knew I was on a Disney World resort. So did you go on any rides? <laughs> there were no rides. That's what I'm saying. Well, I was, did you venture into a theme park by yourself and go on rides? No, because I would have had to take a shuttle, and there was no time for that. No, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> it was hotter than a hoot owl, though. Oh, I bet. It wasn't that hot. It was only in the 80s, but it was so humid. 
Holy. Florida in the summer. Airbnb logo was that uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not my weather. Yeah. But it was a great crowd, great audience, great conversation. So good to meet everybody in Florida. Cool. All right. So should we dive in here? We yep. have a couple things to talk about, one serious and one not so serious. We'll start with the serious one. So this was something that uh, I saw come through Reagan's Healthcare Communication News. And it is titled, Study Marketers Struggling with Content Marketing. Mm-hmm. And it's basically uh, a, a little story about some research from Forrester, um, Forrester Marketing, Forrester Research, I guess is the official term, but they usually focus on marketing, uh, about how marketers sur- who were surveyed uh, are not seeing the results that they're looking for with content marketing. So there's a couple of ways to dig into this. Uh, one of them is kind of at a meta level, which is we've got this kind of, we, we talked before about where this is curated content. This is definitely curated because Reagan has, uh, Kevin Allen is the author of the Reagan Post, and he's kind of interpreted the either the, the story, the press release, from Forrester Research, mm-hmm. or the actual study itself, right? which we can't access because we're not going to fork over $500 for the study. <laughs> but you can if you want. But the, the meta discussion here is interesting because the points are the same, but they're using the statistics very differently. Mm-hmm. So do we want to start with that? Sure. I'm a little bit like a research geek, aren't I? Because I really dig into this and try to understand it. So it's based on a question during the past 12 months, how effectively has your content marketing, have your content marketing efforts delivered business value? So this is what it says in the Reagan article. About 51% of respondents said that content marketing delivered business value, quote, somewhat effectively, and 27% were neutral. Only 14% said their content marketing efforts were very effective. Now, if you're like most hospitals, that means roughly 65% had something positive to say about content marketing. Mm-hmm. 27% were neutral, so 65 plus 27 is 92. Yes? Sure. Which means oh, either me 8% didn't answer or said it, it was bad because mm-hmm. none of those answers were bad. Right. Right? So if you hear that, that sounds fairly positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, only 14% are saying it was very effective, but half said it was somewhat effective, mm-hmm. which, well, this is another point I'll make in a second. So that's how they portray it. You go to the press release from Forrester, and it paints a darker picture with the same statistics. Mm-hmm. So it says, first of all, 51% of B2B, so first of all, this is B2B. <clears throat> which is only. Yeah, which which I was going to bring that up too. Interesting that the article over here, which is you know, <clears throat> targeting healthcare marketers, which you know, typically are very, have very little to do with B2B, at least in this realm. Um, right. And the article says not, does not set that up at all. So there's right. nothing about B2B. This is just purely, so it's fairly misleading. And it's just about, B, just about content marketing as far as the reader would be concerned over on the Reagan website. But then if you click through to the article, it's all about B2B. So it's... Yes. So yeah, I mean, you can't, if, if that was missed on the author... 
that's one thing or if you know if it's intentionally trying to be misleading that's another but yeah obviously it's very uh, yeah. very different trying to connect with a you know business to business than it is from you know business to consumers not that it's you know easier or more difficult but just very different yeah and mm-hmm. content marketing certainly holds value for both audiences but it's a huge distinction right so obviously now we're talking about business to business now that we've come to the forester side uh, but 51% of B2B marketing leaders rate their content marketing practices as very mature. So I, when I hear that, first of all, it has nothing to do with the quality. That, to me, says they've been doing it for They're a while. They're doing it, yeah. Okay. Despite that, an overwhelming 85% fail to connect content activity to business value. So remember what I just said before. The article from Reagan says 14% said their content marketing efforts were very effective. 51% said that content marketing delivered business value somewhat effectively. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you get off saying 85% failed to connect content activity to business value. That's not what we just saw heard over there. Unless yeah. you're saying, unless you said highly effective, you're not connecting it. But it doesn't say that. It says fails to connect. So if something's somewhat effective, that's not a, a failure to connect. It's somewhat failure. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the numbers are off. Forrester seems well. No, I think Forrester just is. Is again, this is how you can use statistics. Forrester, Forrester's making more of a draconian take on those numbers. And then later it says. So this is even weird. Maybe these are different pieces of information. In fact, when asked to look back at the past 12 months and rate the effectiveness of content marketing efforts, only 14% of those surveyed gave their content practices high marks for delivering value back to the business. Now that correlates directly to the 14% that we heard, Mm -hmm. right? So high marks equals highly effective. But again, Forrester's not mentioning that half of the people said somewhat effective, which is a positive. I would say somewhat effective is a positive. Right. It's not awesome. It's like a B on a grading scale instead of an A. Well, right. And when you were talking about the Reagan article, you know, it says 51% of respondents said that content marketing delivered business value was, like you said, somewhat effectively. And 27% were neutral. And then 14% say efforts were very effective, which we decided was pretty decent. But then Reagan follows that up with, that's not good news for marketers. We're trying to carve out more dollars for content creation. So they right. took those numbers as crap. Right. So so they're interpreting their numbers differently than I'm interpreting their numbers, which is 65% said there was positive effect to it. Right. Like, I mean, because that's what it is. So. Right. So anyway, but the message in both, you're right, is consistent that this is bad. Uh, but, they're, but they're also, you know, allowing for the fact that, hey, folks just haven't figured this out yet. So here's a quote from Business Marketing Association Chair Steve Liguori, who's from Forrester Research. The majority of marketers find producing content that engages buyers to be a major challenge, and that's for good reason. Our survey results show that the majority of B2B content practices focus too narrowly on early-stage buyer acquisition, which fails to engage buyers throughout their lifetime. To create content that attracts and builds customer relationships throughout the customer lifecycle B2B marketers must make a fundamental shift from writing about features and benefits to delivering valuable information that drives business results. So Mm -hmm. the article goes on to talk more about this. But again, this just seems like they're taking one step away from promotional marketing, sales-oriented marketing, into content marketing, instead of embracing content marketing fully. 
Right. Because if you're really still emphasizing features and benefits, you're not in content marketing <coughs> world. And if you expect it to drive certain results as content marketing, but you're not really performing content marketing, you're just kind of mm-hmm. doing, you're doing promotional marketing with a tinge of content marketing, then it doesn't surprise me it's not working. Right. Well, and I think right. it's, it's interesting when you're in the B2B space, I don't, I, I guess I would, not being, a, 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 you know, having a, a background in, in extensive B2B marketing, um, I would have to imagine that it's not in your best interest to completely, you know, disregard um, features and benefit those type of features and benefits to, to the, you know, to only tell stories in all, in all cases, you know, clearly it's, there's still a benefit to the, the, you know, the storytelling of, of content marketing, but man, I think if you're, if you know, in B, in the B2B space, some of those other points are, you know, pretty valuable to get across to your customers. And that's, I would imagine. Well, but that's the difference between promotional and content marketing, right? I mean, if you're pitching your product, that's promotional. No, I know, I I know, but, the, but I'm saying right? I'm saying that you can't, uh, you know, I, I guess they don't they don't talk about the the balance between promotional and content marketing. You know, in in the healthcare marketing space, a lot of times we talk about, you know, trying to really swing the pendulum toward the content marketing side because there's so much more there's so much more opportunity to connect effectively. Um, whereas, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily and true to the same extent on the B two B side as it is on the consumer side. Um, I don't know that you can swing the pendulum so far to the content side that it's to your benefit necessarily. Um, if the if your customers who are other businesses trying to make you know decisions um, in a different fashion than the consumer does, um, you know if it's you know I guess it's, so the question is all about that pendulum swing. You know how much of the promotional you know do you get out there versus the the content side? And I you know I I just don't know. On the B two B side, I mean, I, I, it depends on the. I mean, B two B is obviously broader than crap, you know. And <laughs> right. obviously, even if we talked about B two C, healthcare is very different than Pepsi, where we've talked about mm-hmm. it'd be really hard to use content marketing for Pepsi. You, you should use promotional marketing because you can literally drive somebody to buy a Pepsi from your ad. Right. Doesn't help with you know appendicitis surgery or whatever. <laughs> um, and the same could be said with B two B. It depends. I mean, we as an agency use B2B marketing, mm-hmm. and we're all content marketing. I mean, 99.9% of what we do is content marketing. Right. Uh, if you're a CMS vendor, content marketing would be huge because how often does somebody buy a new CMS? So if you're constantly hitting them with purchasing, they're just going to tune you out. Right. But if you can give them you know, information that's helpful to them or whatever, uh, you know, so I think there's huge opportunities in content marketing in the right situations for B2B. But if you're still thinking about it in terms of promotional, which this seems to be saying is part of the problem, mm-hmm. then I think you're stuck. You can't, you've, of course, any content marketing is supposed to drive people through to a sale at some point. Otherwise, why the heck are you doing it? Right. But the point is that you're not trying to necessarily do it right there in the moment. You're trying to build a relationship. And it talks about that later. Um, where, uh, you know, the problems that the people that put out this report talk about, well, why isn't this working? And they kind of give, you know, three, three potential reasons. One, because B2B marketers are failing to highlight how products and services help customers become successful. So that's part of what you're saying, Adam. Um, that still sounds like promotional marketing to me. The second one is lacks forward leaning insights that buyers can turn into action. 
so only 12% of respondents make publishing research and perspectives the main focus of their content marketing. So again, we've talked about this before when we talked to Nicole about podcasting. Uh, and when we talk about content marketing, having a, a raison d'etre, having a perspective, a point of view, mm-hmm. people like that. They just don't want to know oh, yeah. five tips for this or that. They like it when you have a perspective. And, yeah. and you'll push some people away because you have a perspective, but other people will become closer to you because mm-hmm. of it. Uh, it's just finding the right perspective. And then the third one is, um, the problem is that, that content marketers are focusing on closing the deal not in building relationships. So again, if you're trying to close a deal with content marketing, right. you're missing the point of content marketing. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to build a relationship and set you up for promotional marketing when people need it, where you do try to close a deal. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I, think that's, I think that's all accurate. And, um, and I think it also speaks to the pressures that organizations are under, that we hear it all the time. It's really hard to move away from promotional marketing because people think that that's... Mm-hmm. You got to do well, and content marketing takes time. Takes time. It takes effort. Mm-hmm. Well, it takes you know, patience. We've yep. we've certainly felt the, you know, the 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 side the you know, so so as you said, Chris, we do a lot of content marketing. Um, but like like most like any business, we've also run into those situations where someone has said someone didn't know necessarily what we did. They're like, Oh, you, you guys, you created that content. That's awesome. I, you know, I love that. I love that book. You wrote Joe public too. I had no idea that you did, that you do this, that you do X, that you do the things that we had as an agency where you right. don't want to be hired for. Um, so mm-hmm. I think especially, and this holds true in the, in the consumer space too, but it, it, again, it's all about that pendulum swing of, of promotional to, to content. Um, you know, in, in those cases, somehow we failed to hit those people, with the promotional side that says, Hey, this is what we do. And this is what, you know, this is why you would come to us to, you know, for to to hire us for, for what we do. So we felt that pain, um, you know, as much as probably, you know, I'm I'm sure it's, it's a pain that every agency out there feels, um, especially if they're in the content side of things. Um, it's like, it's like, you got to find that you got to try to find that balance of, of, of telling stories and making connections and, and getting in on the right level, but also, you know, letting people know what it is you do the right way. Um, and it's, obviously it's just, it's, it's different um, on the business side as, than it is on the consumer side. Same, same concept, same principles, but um, the balance is probably, you know, a little different and it's going to be different from industry to industry as well. So it's, it's tricky. Right. And this, in this article, the Forrester right. one anyway, is not strictly about healthcare. I mean, it was just a general, right. general survey. Yeah, which I think it's interesting that in the Reagan article, they never even referenced that it was B2B. Business, business, no. Yeah, that's confusing. Um, no, and I think you make a great point, Adam. You know, again, that's, like I said before, that content marketing is still supposed to pull people through to, to want to use you when it's appropriate and relevant. So you've got to allow for that connection because if you don't, then why are you doing it? And you're right. I mean, especially early on with our with our firm, when we first moved into healthcare, uh, we did a lot of things from a content marketing standpoint that were extraordinarily valuable. I mean, we did like, we did a, uh, an audit of the 11, the top 11 heart centers in the twin cities mm-hmm. and looked at the patient experience, like the, the first impression that you would have walking in, you know, parking your car, walking into the, the hospital, asking for directions, going to the website. It was phenomenal mm-hmm. stuff. But and it was so it was great content and it and it got nationally recognized. People reference it still today, but 
it had nothing to do with what we did as an agency. <laughs> right. So it really didn't lead to much business for us because we're not a patient experience firm. Mm-hmm. We thought it was important because it's, it, it shows you how important that is to marketing and building a brand. Uh, but that was just, you know, some of our learnings early on that there's really no point in pursuing content marketing if it's just for, we're still a business. You're still trying to accomplish something. So I think that kind of follows up with what you were saying, Adam. And the other thing mm-hmm. I think is interesting in this is there's no comparison to these results to promotional or traditional marketing. Right. So a lot of the, the message in both articles is kind of like, oh, no, this isn't good. You know, only 65% of people, I mean, that's basically what the what the numbers add up to. Right. 65% of respondents said that it was either somewhat effective or highly effective. Well, how does that compare to mass advertising? Right. That's a good point. Especially with B2B, for, for God's sake. I mean, what, else, what are you comparing it to? Mm-hmm. Promotional, right. sales, what? So it's hard to know whether that's good or bad until you kind of line it up against, well, you know. Yeah, it sounds bad. Even if you think it sounds bad, that sounds bad, but it's no different than the others, or it's right. better than other things we've tried. It could be amazing. Context in here. Yeah, those yeah. results could be freaking stellar compared to the alternative options. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I think there's some good messages in here, though. We'll post both articles for people to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even even though it sounds like, and I am, defending content marketing as having value, because I think it has it, it's still, I mean, people are doing it. First of all, most people in our world aren't doing it. Those people that are doing it still aren't doing it to the extent that they need to do it. Right. Um, because it's new and people are still trying to figure out how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. And especially in our worlds with hospitals and health systems where everybody wants to beat their chest and why can't we just tell people how great we are? It's, it's hard to move away from, well, let's give them something of value and draw them in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? We're not going to... Tell them how awesome we are. That's hard. So we're, we'll get there. We got to be a little patient with this, I think. All right. Should we talk about the next one on the list? <laughs> sure. All right. Here we go. We should probably give some kind of warning. Yeah. Should we? So a little, uh, little. Yeah. If you, if there are children in the room or young animals, if you're sensitive to, um, <laughs> if your boss is standing behind you, conversation, to body parts. <laughs> so yeah, cause we're going to use some words because they're used in the article and they're words that we've all said and we all know what they are. Um, we could come up with like alternative <laughs> euphemisms, but I think that just defeats that the worse. purpose. <laughs> yeah. So we've given you fair warning. Turn down if your you volume tune out now. Put on the headphones. Right. Okay. Or crank so here it. Here we go. Or crank it. <laughs> so this is this is interesting. This, we've talked about logos every once in a while, even though we, we used to do this all the time. We used to do brand identity work. We really don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But we still think it's fascinating because of, especially the, the more recent phenomenon of logos and package redesigns that have gone through the social media ringer. Right. And that whole dynamic of letting consumers decide for you what works and what doesn't, which sounds ridiculous like well why wouldn't you and there's all kinds of reasons why you wouldn't but this is another example so this is about airbnb um new logo now we've talked about airbnb recently because i went on some weird Mm -hmm. rant that nothing to do with anything (laughs) last week about these pretentious self-absorbed selfish people in new york city (laughs) thinking they had a right to 
quote unquote share their apartment for money despite their lease. Right. Uh, Airbnb obviously is the company that facilitates the ability to rent out your house or your apartment or whatever to other people. Mm-hmm. They're kind of uh, like an Uber of hotels right? or whatever you want to call that. What's the hotel industry called? The hospitality. Hospitality. Ooh. Thank you. Boom. So, so they've launched <laughs> a new logo. Uh, and, and you'll have to see a picture of it. It's, it basically looks like if you, if you know what a, a, at the top, you know what a pool rack looks like, the triangle, right? Well, like a pool table. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, when you play pool, you rack mm-hmm. the balls with that triangle, right? Mm-hmm. So that <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose. <laughs> the top of it looks like that part of it. And then the, the bottom two, like if you, if you think of that triangle pointing up, the top looks just like it, but the bottom two angles, instead of going straight across to make the third leg of the triangle, they come up and make a, a loop. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like an A with a, yeah, it's a stylized loop A in the middle at the bottom. It's what? I, I, I see it as a Would stylized I see it as a stylized A. Right. Which is makes sense. Or Airbnb, which makes yeah. sense. And then the symbol itself, but, uh, the interconnectedness at all. You know, it's it's all it's there. It's there. There's sound reasoning. We'll talk the about what they, they intended chose. it to be. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But apparently social media blew up as it's wont to do. Because people see it in a sexually explicit way. Now, what's interesting is it's not a single sexual expression that people see. A body part, basically. It's not phallics. We had this discussion before. Mm -hmm. It's not the, the, we'll just do this. Okay. Here you go. Okay. (laughs) This is the Guardian article. And the title of the article says Is it balls, vagina, or both? Airbnb logo sparks wave of internet parodies. So there's nobody, I don't think, who thinks it's just a vagina. They think it's like a combo platter. And that's what's weird to me. (laughs) Like, how do you see balls and a vagina in this? Because that's what people are saying. And it's like one tweet. That's what Gizmodo said. One tweet said, I challenge you to name a sexual area not evoked. (laughs) By the Airbnb logo. I mean, people are people are pervs. <laughs> people have too much time. I mean, I could see if it was phallic or it was clearly like boobs or something. But this is it's not either of those. It's well, I don't know. I just don't see one thing in it. You have to you have to look really hard, in my opinion, to see that stuff. Yeah. Well, now, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I oh, go ahead, Em. No, I don't know. The only thing I really, the only thing that it would maybe evoke symbolism for, for me, would be like maybe representation of like the inner workings of female anatomy or something, you know, kind of the whole, you know, the the, tubes and eggs and that. But even that is a stretch for me. I I mean, it's because it's kind of that, the the symmetry of, of that. So I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's like, but like I said, that's the only thing that maybe it would, but that's only after I saw the title of the article, looked at it and tried to like overanalyze it and come up with something. Um, so well, yeah, I don't, I mean, I could, I can, I can certainly see where you could turn it into a joke if you wanted to, but to me, it feels like it's a, it's a stretch. Well, and that, that's what I was just going to say too, Adam. I think the problem is, is that I saw the article and what everyone's interpretation of it was. And now I have a hard time thinking of it as anything other. See, and that's where I, I'm different than you, because even though people are saying it, I can't see it. 
I don't see it in there. I didn't see it originally, and I don't see it now. I don't see how – I don't get – the only thing that's close is the bottom of it because of the curves could look like breasts. I could I could see the But then the, the loop between them then makes no sense to me, and it, then you're gone, and then it's lost. Well, so, well, like they say below here, a Tumblr site had appeared showing the looping logo in all manners, uh, manner of new guises from boobs and balls to a dog's face and family guy's chin. <laughs> which I can see that one. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I can see it all. I just don't think, to your point, right. it's a direct representation of any of those. I think you kind of have to stretch your imagination a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. This is So here's Airbnb. Um, this is how they describe it. It's a, it's a conflation of a person with their arms outstretched as if about to hug you. I don't see that at all. No, I don't a map no. pin locator marker, maybe, but that's also a stretch. An upside down heart, okay, and of course their brand letter A. Christened the Balo, they give it a name. <laughs> the company says it's quote an expression of what it truly means to belong anywhere, a universal sign that the company hopes people will adopt and make their own. Our logo belongs to everyone, says the company, which even launched a create your own community marquee, presumably hoping to see its logo woven as calm dollies and cute paper mache pretzels. Well, if you ask people to put it into, here's our logo, put it into situations, you get what you deserve, <laughs> no matter what it looks like. Um, so I don't know. I just, it, it gets back to the um, the idea. It's just interesting that the masses weigh in on this stuff. Yeah, and right. People care about it, but whatever. And and then Adam, you mentioned too, it's also um, it's also been accused of, plagiarism because at least in this article there's two other marks that are very close one is network but instead of the n or instead of the e in network it's a three so i don't know if that's network three or three network or whatever and then automation anywhere which i don't know what that is at all that doesn't even sound like a company no. that sounds like a tagline but but their logo is extraordinarily close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Airbnb. Yeah, there are a few. There are a few other ones that were that were brought forward as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I think the mark is fine. It's certainly symbolic for you know what they what they are trying to represent visually as an organization. Um, so yeah, and this is the Guardian. <laughs> we should mention, which means it's English. Which they have a definitely more sexual humor. I don't know how to put yeah. it. Well, they're, I mean, they're, and they're just covering the story. I mean, right. I mean, Mashable, I think I actually saw it, might have, may have run across it there first. They have an article on it too. Um, the Tumblr site that both reference is actually down. So I'm not sure if Airbnb like did a cease and desist to them or something. Um, so you can't even get to the Tumblr site anymore. The Mashable article has a few uh, examples in there of, uh, of taking it a little further. Um, again, nothing, nothing too over the top. But well, if you if you if you want to have more fun, go into the comments. And this is the only one I'm going to read because it's awesome. It's English <laughs> humor. It's perfect. It says the logo may or may not be bollocks, but this article certainly is. <laughs> 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 Which is good. If you know what bollocks in English means, that's pretty good. All right, we should probably leave it at that. We but can. anyway, we like to review logos every once in a while, especially when there's a a backlash. A public outcry? A public outcry. <laughs> I think people, I mean, seriously, I think it's a fine mark for Airbnb. 
modern, it's yeah. progressive, it's a stylish A. How you see something sexual in there, I think, Jackie, you need to talk to somebody <laughs> professional about that. Yeah, we, Adam kind of did too. After you, after you push your mind there, you kind of get it. But yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I think I don't, for the most part, it's especially it's not difficult to picture it when you see people tweak it a little bit to represent what they what they're thinking, what they <laughs> what they're seeing yeah. in their head. Um, and it's not if you want to find images of that, you could certainly go, go to Google Images and and Google like uh, I don't know. Uh, Airbnb logo or something, and you'll probably see all, all sorts of them. But it's so it's easier to to get it in your head once you see people change it up a little bit to to be that. But again, if you don't have those preconceived notions of what other people are seeing, it might be difficult for you to uh, to take it there. Um, mm-hmm. So, but do it. Do what you're you can. Of cleaner mind. <laughs> yeah. Do what I you think. Will. A lot of the comments actually are saying, "I don't." You guys just there's nothing there and. Just proves what a mindless load of twattery gets twitted around the Twitter sphere. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well put. All right. Well, that's a fun one to end on. We should probably end there because I think we've blown past our Adam I, our time frame. I, my lips. Are <laughs> All right. You guys ready to sign off? Yep. Yeah. All right. So for the arrogant healthcare marketing bastards, this is Chris Bevelo, Jackie Olson, and Adam Meyer. Talk to you next time.